Welcome, welcome. You are listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I've been excited all week about this interview that we have going on. I'm sitting in Urban Health Group. This is a really cool multidisciplinary clinic in Midtown Toronto. And I have the luxury of being with Ravinder Gill, who is a doctor of naturopathic medicine. And um, what we want to talk about today is this huge fad of keto diets and I figure let's get to the source let's figure this out from someone who knows what's going on Ravinder why don't you tell everyone about yourself hi thanks Mark yeah so my name is Dr. Ravinder Gill I'm a naturopathic doctor I do a lot of work with weight loss with hormonal balancing for women for men and also a lot of work with gut health for people because that can really affect even our endocrine function and I'm a registered uh, NLP practitioner I also do EFT so I work a lot with the stress and anxiety of the average person in Toronto excellent excellent so keto diets is this something that comes through your door a lot right now? Like, do you have patients or clients come in and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for weight loss and I'm hearing about this keto diet. Can you tell me something about it or can you, can you get me on this thing? Yeah, surprisingly, either people are trying to do it themselves and are doing a hack job of it and they feel like crap or people have come in and said, hey, you know, I've been trying to lose weight. I've tried the keto diet. I felt like crap. And so it's, it's not for me. You know, and then other people who have never heard of it, and then I know that that's sort of what they need to get to their their health goal. Right on. So let's let's try to um, kill the mystery to the hack job. Why don't you give us the uh, the down and dirty on 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 the keto diet? So the down and dirty. Let's talk about what. What happens a lot is people sort of try to just fudge it and they listen to some um, people on YouTube or even on some social media sites and and they're looking at some nice pretty pictures of someone eating a ton of bacon, a ton of uh, steak, you know, and they're, they're, they're trying to make their plates look real pretty. But what's happening is they're not really managing their carb fat. Um, protein ratio and that is extremely important in trying to maintain an actual keto diet otherwise you basically end up just doing a carnivore diet or just a high protein diet and a lot of people don't even realize how high you have to go with fat and that this diet is actually more of a high fat diet very moderate protein and very, very low carb. Gotcha. So I think that's a big part of where people are getting it wrong. Let's start right at the beginning because someone's listening to this right now and they've heard the term and they're like, keto. I don't even know what that means. What, 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 is, mm-hmm. what is this term keto? That's a really good question, Mark. So keto is a short form for ketones. And what happens is when our body is in a certain state, it'll make something called ketone bodies. Now, normally we, we've we associated ketones with a very... Uh, critically ill state where your body's in ketoacidosis and that'll happen to someone who's a diabetic where they haven't been managing their blood sugars properly and their body's in a starvation mode and when it's in that mode their body becomes extremely acidic Um, they make ketones because they're starving and they could literally die from that kind of a condition. Okay, so from from my recollection from, oh man, university physiology yep. <laughs> is that when you're breaking down free fatty acids to, you know, 
replenish ATP. That is going to be one of the byproducts, our ketone bodies. Exactly. That's going to be one of the byproducts. Now, what the, the difference between the ketoacidosis and a ketone di- keto diet is that you're not starving the body, but we've used science to trick the body. And we're kind of going back to a way that, say, like the Eskimo used to eat or the Inuit used to eat, where it was a lot of whale blubber, uh, a lot of whale meat, you know, very, very little vegetable. Um, and so what this is doing is you're still getting in all your calories, but you're not getting them in in the form of carbs or sugar. Okay, so what it's doing is it's causing your body to have to change its machinery and how it makes energy or uh, scientifically what we call ATP from using a glucose molecule. Now, what happens is we usually think of glucose as regular sugar, right? But what a lot of people don't know is that whenever we eat starch, whether it's, you know, our rice or our pasta or our cookies or our ice cream, um, all of those other refined carbs eventually turn into glucose. And then the body uses that glucose through a whole mechanism to make ATP or our fuel. So now what happens is when we take the carbs out of the picture, then the body goes, oh crap, what are we going to use to make energy? And so it has this secondary mechanism, because the body is super smart, where it breaks down fat molecules. And it breaks them down into something called triglycerides. And then each of those, the tri meaning three, so each of those fatty acid chains, as we call them, ends up getting broken down and turn into fat. Now the cool thing is, is that it's a super efficient way of making energy. So in our, in our bodies, one glucose molecule only makes 38 of those energy molecules, ATP, whereas one triglyceride actually makes 402 of those energy molecules. So it's like almost 10 times more efficient for making energy. So when you're doing the keto diet properly, you feel super energized and you, you feel great on it. Now, the byproduct of breaking down fat is you end up with these things called ketone bodies. And what happens is ketone bodies are uh, a, a byproduct. And, you know, they were originally thought to be a sign of poor health or poor diet because, again, we associate it with diabetics who are starving. Right. What we're finding out now is that those ketone bodies do some incredible things for us. And they're, they're incredibly protective for brain cells, for example, which was not known before. Right. Um, so that is how the, the keto diet has come around. How, if you can speak to it offhand, how is it protective of brain cells? Because why did I always think that it was going to be detrimental right? for, for overall brain functioning. At least that's the way I believe it was taught to me way back when. Uh, or, or maybe I'm completely wrong in my memory. Exactly. So we were taught in school that brain cells can only use glucose right. as a source of energy. And so when the body is starving, those brain cells start to break down and they make ketone bodies. And we associate that, again, with that bad form called ketoacidosis, where you actually start to get acetone breath Mm -hmm. and you're in in a really bad state. So what they're finding is that the brain actually uses those ketone bodies as a fuel source and that those ketone bodies are designed to know that the brain is under stress and they have an incredibly protective effect 
on the brain. So this is actually being used a lot now in concussions and traumatic brain injuries because it, it's really creating a lot of benefit for improving the brain function. Just because I feel really outdated then, um, what would you say the time frame of this like, kind of new refining, newer research would have been? That's a good question. I haven't looked at the actual uh, findings, but I've been working with traumatic brain injuries for the past two years using um, keto diets myself. Right on. Okay, so then give us an idea of what the keto diet is, like a workable, usable thing that you would have, you know, you're doing with your patients. So let me start first with explaining a little bit more about the physiology. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's do that. So what's happening is that when we're using keto diets for weight loss, what we're actually doing is we're getting the body healthy. And as a result of getting healthy, an indirect effect of that is weight loss. So what's happening is that when we're doing a high carb, a high protein diet or eating just a regular diet um, where, you know, everything's in moderation, we're making a lot of insulin in our bodies, okay? So anytime we have like a hamburger, okay, even though we've got a nice hamburger patty in there for with protein, we're having it with a bun, um, even just having protein with a carby bun spikes insulin, okay? Anytime we're actually even e eating higher amounts of protein, we're spiking insulin. Usually we think of that only in terms of when we eat a chocolate bar or, you know, something that's quite sugary that we're going to be spiking insulin. But even just our regular, everyday, moderately healthy eating, we're spiking a lot of insulin. So what happens is we end up with a lot of insulin in our bloodstream. And insulin being a hormone, its job is to take that extra glucose from the bloodstream and turn it into fat storage. So what happens is when we start to make too much insulin, the insulin ends up becoming overloaded in our bloodstream. And as we know, insulin's job is to help glucose get into the cell so right. the cell can use glucose as an energy source, right? But when we have too much insulin in our bloodstream, we actually create insulin resistance, Okay, so you'd think it would be the opposite, that when you've got a lot of insulin, it's working really hard. Mm -hmm. It's actually creating insulin resistance, and it's preventing the glucose from getting into the cell. It's blocking it. So the cells are staying kind of hungry, and instead it's taking all that um, glucose that's in the bloodstream and turning it into fat. Okay, right. and that's how we get our big fat bellies and, and where we start to accumulate that adipose tissue in our in our middle area, which we know is, is a very risky area to be accumulating fat in. So that's what happens with the insulin. Anytime we're under a lot of stress, where we're making a lot of stress hormone, as we probably have heard, that cortisol ends up creating people, um, creating increased weight in mm -hmm. people. When they're under stress, they can start to put on a lot of that cortisol weight or abdomen weight. But it's not the cortisol that's putting on the weight. Cortisol causes insulin to increase. And then it's the insulin. Again, it's causing that all that glucose to go into fat storage. Right, right, right. And it's basically part of that fight or flight response. It's like, okay, you know, I'm under a lot of stress. I don't know if this is a famine or I don't know if, if this is because, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of pressure at work. Our bodies don't know the difference. And it says, okay, I'm going to store all this stuff as fat for energy source for a rainy day. And that's what starts to happen. So whenever we're starting to make a lot of insulin in our bodies, our bodies end up in a very inflamed state. Okay, the two kind of go hand in hand. So when we're inflamed, you know, our thyroids don't work well, our, um, our endocrine system doesn't work well, it's a lot of stress on the heart. 
And again, we start to put on a lot of weight in that state because when we're inflamed, we create a lot of toxicity in the body. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's what's happening. So basically when we're in a state of gaining weight, we're in a state of a toxicity and things are out of balance. So when we start to manage the insulin, then it starts to bring all of that down and it calms all the inflammatory responses in the body down. It calms your stress hormones down, even if the stress at work is still the same. Right. It actually helps to really calm it down. So in terms of what you're eating for a keto diet, you might be surprised to know, but it's a high fat diet moderate protein and very low carbs. So you're looking at about a 5% carb, um, 20% protein, and about 75% fat content in your daily intake. Okay, so you're actually not eating big steaks when you're on a keto diet. You're actually not doing that. You're eating much uh, moderate size portions. So is there any distinction as the quality or type of carbs that you would suggest being consumed in that 5% and then the quality and type of fats that you would suggest in that 75%? Absolutely. You want good fats. Um, You don't want to have lots of just, you know, um, animals that have been raised on a lot of chemicals and they themselves have been under a lot of stress. You don't want to eat too much of that fat because they've actually done some studies where they compared happy cows in France who are raised on pasture, raised out in open air, as opposed to our um, our cows that that are on those big industrial farms where they're not really let outside too much and they're raised on a lot of um, feed. And what they find is the fat in those cows that are from North America had an inflammatory effect. And the fat in the cows from France had an anti inflammatory effect. So the type of fat that you're eating is really going to help to dictate, again, how much inflammation you're having in your body. So you want to have really good, what are called medium chain triglyceride fats. Okay. So you're looking at, and you know, you can have saturated fats, but you want them from happy animals. Okay. Ideally. That makes sense. So you're having, you know, you can have your, your dairy, um, like a heavy cream. You don't want milk because milk has a lot of uh, lactose sugar in it. Mm -hmm. So cream actually has a higher fat content to that lactose sugar. So if you are going to have dairy on a keto diet, you want to have cream, you know, eggs, beef, the um, coconut oils, the medium chain um, triglyceride oils, which are an extract of coconut oil, um, nut butters, some cheese, um, olive oil, those types of things are what you want to have. Yeah, so those are the types of um, fats that you're having. Now, in terms of the carbs, you want 5%, and what you're looking at is net carbs. Mm-hmm. And so there's there are some great apps out there that will help you um, – look at the fiber content of the the vegetable you're eating and deduct that from the actual starchy carb portion of that um of that of that plant because the the fiber typically doesn't affect insulin so we don't need to include that in our overall um, net carb calculation so the types of carbs you're looking at you're looking at a lot of the non-starchy kinds of vegetables okay so you're looking at things like bok choy you're looking at kale collard greens spinach um, avocado peppers all of those kinds of things and what um, 
really helps is having some kind of a tracker so that you can really make sure you're staying within those ratios. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, and you were mentioning that there are some really cool apps that will help you well, that will help you track mm-hmm. in terms of um, your your macronutrients and the percentage and then the quality of those as exactly, well. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I'm I'm looking to do not me, but hey, you know, if I'm looking <laughs> to do a keto diet yeah. and I'm a little bit on the heavier side, what are we looking at in terms of the rate of weight and fat loss? Because I, I because this is it's kind of flipping the switch from using glucose as the primary energy source to fat as the primary energy source. So I'm assuming this is all going to be associated with breaking down fat and therefore we're looking at a lot of fat loss mm-hmm. um, it, that's going to make up the, the total amount of weight loss. So what are we looking at in terms of a normal, average, healthy amount of weight to lose when on a diet like the keto diet? It's a good question. It can really vary. And there's, a, there's many reasons for why it can vary. Sometimes people are overdoing the amount of fat that they're eating, and so then they're actually using the fat from their diet as more calorie sources than the fat from their tissues. Okay, So then they're not losing as much of their own um, fatty tissue. On average, uh, when people are doing it properly, they're losing anywhere from 1 to 2 pounds a week. And there's also this phase where you kind of keto adapt because it does take a while. It's almost like an upgrade of your software where your body kind of has to go, oh, look, we're not getting glucose anymore. Crap, what are we going to do? And then it it takes a while for it to go, okay, let's start switching over now to the fat uh, breakdown. So now I'm going to need to tell my my genes to make more of the enzymes to break down the fats because I didn't need them before. And so that process alone can take sometimes two to six weeks. So this is not a rapid weight loss at the beginning. This is kind of a a weight loss that kicks in after that. It can be. Everybody's okay. quite different how fast they keto adapt. Okay. So for some people within the first month, they can lose like anywhere from 10 to 20 pounds. Okay. And for others, it's um, a bit of a slower start to the process because their keto adaptation takes a bit longer. And usually what I find is that when people are sort of doing that on their own, they're not really sure of where they need to troubleshoot. Um, but when they come in and they talk to someone who knows all the different things to look for, we can help make that process go faster. Right. So is this a sustainable type of diet or is this used more, at least on a medical side or a weight weight reduction side as a let's get over this hump to get the weight down in a little bit more of a rapid manner to get you into a more healthy body state? Or is this something sustainable that I can go on the rest of my life, you know, eating with uh, my macronutrients in this breakdown? So it's sustainable if you do it properly. Having said that, are there any long-term studies specifically on keto diets at this point? No, it hasn't been around long enough. But if you look at some of, again, the indigenous populations who have been eating this way for centuries, they really thrive on it. Now, what happens is there can be um, deficiencies that happen when you're not doing this properly. So, When you're initially doing it, sometimes people are really going very low on their plant um, 
intake, on their veggie intake. And what I like to do is I actually like to increase the veggie intake more than what some of the ratios are. And the reason being is because that's where some of the keto complications can come in. So, um, for example, potassium. Like a lot of people end up with a potassium deficiency on a keto diet because they're not getting in the vegetable content they need, okay? And you're not going to get potassium from your fat. You're not going to get potassium from your, your, your steak or your eggs, right? And um, so a lot of people will start to supplement with some kind of an electrolyte mixture of some kind. And that's okay to do for a certain amount of time. And it's okay to do, especially if you're starting to get some of the muscle cramping or the twitches, um, that type of thing, and the fatigue. Mm -hmm. Fatigue will also happen with with a potassium deficiency. So, you know, we're needing a good like 4,700 milligrams of potassium in a day for our bodies. And you know, one avocado, um, you'll need like five avocados in a day to get that level of potassium, right? right? right. And you would need sort of almost like 10 cups of like lettuce to get that kind of potassium for our body. So a lot of times that kind of deficiency will make it a little bit unsustainable for people. Some people just get around that by just constantly supplementing. But for me, what I like to do is I like diets to be healthy for someone. And so we want to make sure we're getting the veggie content in. Um, Because usually the ketosis process is still ongoing, even though you're getting some extra uh, veggies in. So that sort of thing can make it a bit unsustainable. Um, Shall we talk about some of the complications? Yes, definitely. Let's do that. So some of the things that happen, and a lot of them actually have to do with a potassium deficiency. So constipation can happen, where all of a sudden, like you're switching, all of a sudden you're not getting, you know, the same kind of fiber content. If you're, again, you're not getting the veggies in. Um, And so all of a sudden people go, oh, I'm not. I'm not pooping as much as I was. And that doesn't feel good because then we're going to start feeling bloated and we're going to start having, you know, swollen bellies. And that's sort of counterproductive of what uh, we're trying to do on the keto diet. So again, a lot of times what will happen is that people will start to eat vegetables that they're not normally eating. And then sometimes they'll get bloated with that. And sometimes, again, they're low in potassium because they're not eating enough. So if you're getting bloated from eating veggies, then, you know, Try switching up the type of veggies you're eating and then find ways to make sure you're getting that potassium in. Even just doing like squeezing lemon in water is a nice way of getting some extra potassium into your body. Um, There's also the keto fatigue, okay? So in the beginning as you're keto adapting, you'll, you can feel really tired mm-hmm. and you're like this, I feel like caca. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't exactly what I had in mind. So a lot of times that'll happen because your salt is low and some people can start to feel lightheaded or even a bit spacey on the keto diet. Um, we don't need on, on a regular diet. We don't need as much salt actually, as we do on a keto diet. Okay. Regular diet, you need maybe like a quarter teaspoon. Right. of salt in a day. On a keto diet, you need a full teaspoon of salt in a day. So just make sure you're getting your salt in and it'll, it helps a lot with that uh, fatigue. Um, there's also situations where people just, you know, hit a plateau and they're no longer losing the weight anymore. And a lot of people, we're so used to using our scale, right? As a way of measuring how well we're doing. But The best way to measure with keto is your abdominal measurement, how your waist circumference is doing. 
Now with keto, what happens is because the insulin resistance changes and your insulin starts working again like the way it's supposed to, when you have insulin resistance, another thing that can happen with it is, is it doesn't let the amino acids get absorbed into the cells. So when we're not absorbing amino acids, we're not able to build muscle. Right. Right? And so people with a lot of insulin resistance, like diabetics especially, you'll find they get a lot of muscle atrophy. They get a lot of the, the mushy, you know, um, fatty tissue. So with keto, as your insulin becomes happier... Your insulin starts working again. You start to absorb more of that, those amino acids, and you're going to naturally start to build more muscle mass. Okay. Even if you're not working out, you're actually going to start to build more muscle mass. And as you do that, the scale may show that you're plateauing, but as long as your abdominal circumference is getting smaller, mm -hmm. that's what we want to really look for. So this this kind of just brings me to a question then. Mm -hmm. I've got two. Um, the first one is, is this something, sorry to cut you off on that, we'll, we'll definitely pick back up. No there. problem. Um, is this something then I would have to kind of ease my way into, or can I just jump right into a keto diet? That's my first question. Mm -hmm. And then my second question is about exercise and training since we kind of talked about the idea of you know atrophy and building muscle and when we're doing things like resistance types of exercise well we know when we're you know breaking down glycogen without the presence of oxygen i mean that's how we're 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 using atp or regenerating atp in those times of short bursts of high intense activity like weightlifting and if i'm not really taking in these carbohydrates and therefore i'm not able to utilize them at that level, how would that affect my performance in the short burst, high intensity weight training activities? So while you're in that keto adaptation phase, it's, it's going to be a little bit more challenging, right? Because your body's still getting used to using the fats as its energy source. But once you've adapted, um, because you're making 10 times more ATP than you would with carb, you're going to be that much more efficient with your workouts. Yeah. Perfect. Right so usually the muscle mass. And, and the other thing that I didn't mention is that when you're in a keto state, and there's you know ways that you can measure whether you're actually in ketosis or not, uh, when you're in a keto state it, and the insulin is lower, it actually helps to increase your growth hormone production. And we know that that's what we really need to help put on that muscle mass, exactly. right? And of course, it's a nice anti-aging hormone as well, yes. but it really helps to put on that muscle mass naturally. Right on. And so then that first uh, question, sorry, because I, I, I'm fast when I talk yeah. about that. So is this something that I can just jump right into? Or is oh, it, yeah. Or is it something that I should ease my way, into, my way into? So when someone comes to see me, I really evaluate that on an individual basis. I look at, is this, is this a mom who's got a full-time job and two kids and she's, you know, she's not going to be able to go through a keto adaptation phase um, as easily, or is this sort of a single guy who, who, you know, has the time and, and energy for it. So, right. you know, if you're someone who's already got a lot on their plate, we want to ease into it, right? If you're someone who's got the time, the energy says, I want to get on this right away, then sure, we can sort of jump into it faster and, um, make sure that we're just troubleshooting when stuff comes up. Right on. Thank you for answering those. Mm -hmm. That was just sorry. That just jumped yeah, into my mind really <laughs> as as you were as you were talking about some of the uh, the uh, effects there. Yeah. Um, some of the other ones I want to mention that I think are important is that you can end up with a high uric acid level with a ketone 
uh, keto diet. And um, it's, again, usually because we're not getting the potassium. And I start, I'm starting to sound like a broken down record here, aren't I? So you can, some people will actually start to develop kidney stones when they're on a keto diet because of that uric acid level. So getting that potassium in to help break down and help the uric acid be eliminated is super important. Um, some people will also end up going, hey, you know what? I went for my checkup with my doctor. My cholesterol is high. What, what's going on? And... Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that your cholesterol is actually high, but what'll happen is when you're starting to break down your fat, there's always cholesterol in that fat that you're breaking down. And so as it's starting to dissolve and more of it then is going to start to come into your bloodstream. Okay, so when that happens and you go and get a blood check, a blood test done, your cholesterol is going to show as high because it's starting to come out of your, your fatty tissue. Typically, your cholesterol isn't high because of the diet, unless, again, you're eating a really poor quality meat, you know, kind of diet. Um, because only about 10% of the cholesterol in your food is what impacts your body. Yeah. So those are just some of the things that happen. Other things that I've seen happen um, is that, you know, someone will, will have a thyroid issue. And as we're working on a keto diet, they start to, you know, really improve. Their, if they had hair loss, it starts to get better. Their skin gets better. Um, their mood, because with thyroid, there's a lot of depression. So their mood gets better. And then they'll go and get a checkup or, or I will run a blood test to see what, how the thyroid is doing. And all of a sudden, it'll look like the thyroid hormone has actually decreased. And then people get worried. And they're like, oh my God, what's going on? And what'll happen is that when you're in a keto state, because there isn't as much insulin, because of all those other things, your thyroid doesn't have to work as hard. And so it's actually the thyroid's getting a bit of a break because if, you're, if, if your thyroid hormone is low and then you're having symptoms of a low thyroid, that's another thing. But when you're feeling fantastic and your thyroid hormone is decreasing, it's just saying, hey, I don't have to work as hard. The machine's not running as hard. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a win-win. Right on. Yeah. So those are just sort of the, the common things that I see. This was a really interesting um, fact in terms of, you know, when we're eating a regular diet, we only need about a one to two teaspoon of glucose in our blood for an entire day. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's completely interesting. <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm, I'm, it. I'm sitting here a little floored right That's now. That's all we need. And the average person eating an average diet is getting about 40 teaspoons of wow. sugar. Yeah. Sugar is the enemy, eh? Sugar really is the enemy. Yeah, we just weren't built that way. I mean, you know. We're, we haven't changed much from caveman days where all you kind of ate were a couple of berries when they were in season and yep. uh, a lot of meat and a lot of fat. So this is this is all really interesting to me. And so how would you suggest someone get into the keto diet? I mean, I, I after listening to all this, I, I'm thinking like no one should just sit there and go, I want to start keto. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you should go see a professional and make sure that this is something that is going to work for you, work for your body, work for your overall goals. What's your suggestion on something like this? Exactly. Um, because you can start it on your own and then when you're troubleshooting, you don't really know what's going on. So when you go see a professional... Nick, what I do is I'll make sure I'll assess and I'll say, how is the endocrine system? How are the adrenals? And actually, if someone's in a certain state, I won't even recommend keto. I'll actually recommend that we do other things 
before we build up mm -hmm. to keto because there are some kinds of states of our endocrine system where if we try to do keto in those states, we'll actually make our system worse. Okay. So like people with severe adrenal fatigue, keto is not for them. Right. And um, so, yeah, getting that assessed, getting your thyroid assessed, making sure, you know, everything's good, making sure your gallbladder is working well. All of those things are really important and getting all of that assessed by a professional will make your make you you know have that much more of a successful outcome definitely that that would always be our suggestion is go get checked out and then get this stuff prescribed or given to you in some sort of guidelines from someone that knows what they're talking about versus yeah. that fitness magazine uh, that doesn't seem to make much sense there <laughs> that's right I agree it's a really exciting um subject right now, the amount of research that's being done on the keto diet and how it's helping people is amazing. They're finding it incredibly helpful in cancer and in shrinking tumors because again, a lot of cancers need a really high amount of glucose to, to make, help those cancer cells thrive. And, um, and some of the studies that were done on how keto improves uh, protects the brain was actually done by um, people in the U.S. Navy. So the Navy SEALs, when they have to do really, really deep dives, uh -huh. they can end up with seizures, like um, oxygen-related right, seizures. Right, right. So it was really fascinating because it was a, a, some neurologists in the States that were asked by the U.S. Navy to study these impacts and figure out what they can do to try to prevent these seizures for these these deep divers and that is when they started to actually use the keto diet oh, wow. on navy seals because wow, wow. the ketones have such a protective impact on the brain that is super interesting yeah i just wanted to throw that in because i thought that was so cool Definitely. It's mm -hmm. really, really interesting because Navy SEALs are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was watching on the Discovery Network because I don't know. I, I don't even know if the Discovery Network still exists right now. I was watching. There's a, sh a show called Fight Science, and it's oh, super wow. interesting because you know they go through it and they kind of take different disciplines of fighting and they do the scientific measurements on it, like who has the heaviest kick, who's got the the craziest punch, and they measure all of these things. So hence it's Fight Science, mm -hmm. and they did this whole episode on Navy SEALs and how Navy SEALs are just a different being. Mm -hmm. So uh, the quick example that I'll give: so they have they have an obstacle course that someone has to do, and at the end of it, they have to fire off three rounds of their gun and hit a target and this whole thing is timed and you know the navy seal does it great time great shots everything else and then they dropped him in ice water and right. then they tried to induce that state of hypothermia yeah they couldn't even get him to the point of hypothermia are you kidding me he was that in tune with his body That's that he prevented himself from going into that state yeah and since they gave up on that from having him being in, a, in this tub for a very long time they said okay let's just go do the obstacle course anyway and see what happens and his timing was no different his uh his ac the accuracy of his shots were no different it is insane so it makes a lot of sense that you know that the testing would happen with with uh supreme beings like that <laughs> for sure they're superhuman <laughs> yes, definitely. So I want to get in touch with you. Um, I'm looking to have you um, tell me, give me some advice, or I'm looking to be a patient. Mm -hmm. How do I get in touch with you? You can go to our website, urbanhealthgroup.com, or you can email me directly, ravindergillnd at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to help you 
on your path. Excellent. Sounds good. So is there anything else that you would like our audience to know, either keto or anything else? Uh, You know, I just think whatever helps us get healthy and live a really thriving life, that's what I'm here to help with. I like that. That's, yeah. a, that's a good place to uh, to leave it. That sounds really good. You've been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. This is Mark and Ravinder. Have a good day.